Hello, I'm Scott Millis, senior pastor here at Living Word Family Church, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and equips you in your walk with Christ. Here's today's message. Hey, folks. Welcome to Wednesday night. I want to talk to you tonight about what the church really needs. I don't know if you just heard that two policemen in Champaign were shot this morning and one of them died. Hey, look, we're living in uh, lawless times, perilous times, and I'm going to talk about it. But the church, the church who is supposed to be the beacon of light, uh, what do we need today? We need a revival, and that's what I'm going to talk about tonight, about being desperate for revival. I, I read a report. It's a 2017 report from the Barna Report, George Barna, and it's how many Christians or American Christ, or Americans are born again. And, and it's rather, rather alarming and troubling uh, to see the statistics on some of this stuff, but it kind of goes along with why we need revival in the church and we need an awakening across this land. Now, according to George Barna, extensive research talk, talks about 30% of the U.S. population are born-again Christians. About 30% represent a significant drop from nearly half of the adult population meeting the same criteria just two decades ago, 20 years before. Here are the findings on, on those who are born again criteria. You, you'll find much of this is troubling. This is Barna's report. Three out of every four born again Christians, 76% believe, 76% believe that the Bible is the inherent word of God. They should all believe that. If you're born again, amen? Seven out of 10, 70% contend that the Bible is totally accurate in all of the life principles it teaches. 46% read the Bible at least once a week, a terrible percentage. 77% believe that all people are basically good. This, of course, is a non-biblical <laughs> biblical belief. 67% argue that having faith is more important than which faith you, in, you embrace. Again, that's non-biblical. 90% have a biblical solid uh, concept of the nature of God. 80% agree that God is actively involved in people's lives today. Now listen to this. 30% believe that the Holy Spirit is not a living, a living being, but is simply a symbol of God's presence or purity. 30%. Now we're talking about born-again Christians, my friends. 50% believe the false idea that because Jesus Christ was human, he sinned. My, my, my. 60% believe that a good person or someone who does enough good deeds can earn their way to heaven. Which we know that's not what the Bible teaches, not what Jesus teach, taught. 54% have conservative views about the idea, ideal size, reach, and power of government. And 34% say they prefer socialism to capitalism. Listen, we're living, in, we're living in perilous times. Paul told us we would be. And we need a revival. We have mega churches. We have radio and TV and, and satellite TV and a Christian TV and tapes and teaching. And yet we see the church not hanging on to the truth, not believing the truth. Now, here's what Jesus said. I mean, even though Jesus had a lot to say about even today. They asked him about, over in Matthew 24, the signs of the times and what would the end of the age be like. And here's what he said. 
Jesus said, take heed that no one deceives you. You know, one of the biggest problems today in, 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 in all of uh, humanity, and all of, but especially the church, is we're being deceived. Many were deceived uh, uh, in this last election over some things. Many are deceived at thinking that abortion is okay. A woman has a right to choose. Well, they did before they, before they became pregnant, right? But it goes on to say, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. And all these things are the, are all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then there will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Amen? We got to know what the wars are uh, and the things are being fighted today against Christianity. If you don't believe that, read uh, chapter, Acts chapter 4 about uh, uh, what's, why do the nations rage and plot vain, vain things against God and his Christ. Amen? So we have to know that. And many will be offended will, and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will come rise up and deceive many and because lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold i'm telling you where is where is the church today society is crumbling no fear of god how many of you know there's not a fear of god and it's sometimes even in the church and a moral depravity how many of you know there's a moral depravity today we live in a society all the world seems like it's uh, there's trauma and drama and, and, and uh, all throughout the world, in the Middle East and here in, in America. We have, we have all these uh, gr socialist Marxist groups that want to defund the police and they want to uh, pull down America and, and so forth. We see all of that going on. But where is the church's impact in, in America today? Where is our impact? Well, what, over Matthew 5, uh, 13 through 16, Jesus said we're to be the salt and the light in the, in the world today. We are the church, but has the church become so uh, uh, caught up in the culture of the day that we're not effective in the society that we live in? I believe partially we have. We need to jumpstart ourselves. We need to see ourselves get on fire for the things of God. The contemporary church, has contemporary Christianity, has it bred complacency instead of compassion? Could be. How about success over uh, versus uh, uh, sacrifice? Sacrifice, sacrifice. You know, it takes sacrifice to, to give of yourself. It, gives sac it takes sacrifice to give your time, give your talents, give your uh, uh, service to the kingdom. It takes sacrifice to pray. It does sometimes because our human uh, uh, fleshly body, uh, mind, doesn't always want to do that. But it takes sacrifice. But, and also about prestige over prayer. Amen? Have we become so intellectual sound in our church and our thoughts that we don't pray anymore? We need to pray. The church has failed to change the world, and the world has really been more of an influence on the church today. Now, I'm not saying I'm not throwing everything 
with a broad brush here. There are, there are pockets. And I believe when you're preaching the truth and you're speaking the truth and you're believing in the power of the Holy Ghost and you're drawing near to him, you're going to see great things. But I believe revival must come to the church. And we're going to, I'm going to talk a little bit more about it. But in 2 Timothy, Paul told Timothy, the church must not be like the church uh, there, a church that has a form of godliness, but what? Denies the power thereof. We can deny the power thereof. We can go to church, sit in a church service for an hour and a half on a Sunday, and be no threat to the enemy. What the church needs is to be on fire, have the zeal of God consume us, be passionate and compassionate, and also have revival, where the power of God is moving in our midst. Revival's greatest opposers will be religious people. How many of you know that? I don't want to hear about revival. They don't want to hear, they didn't want to hear about what Jesus was doing in his day. The religious people didn't, did they? They wanted to bring in uh, legalism into the church. But the road to revival begins with what? These are some things I just thought of. Confession. How about confessing uh, your sins? Amen? Confessing your sins. A heartfelt omission of poverty and need for the things of God. Contrition. We have a contrite heart. God can get move in a contrite heart and repentance. You know, repentance is good news. How many of you know Jesus went about, <laughs> John the Baptist actually, before Jesus, went about and said, what did he say? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus came not shortly after that. What did he begin to say? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then we see Peter and, and uh, Paul both calling for repentance, didn't we? Throughout the scripture. You can look these up in, in Acts chapter 2, 38, uh, Acts 17, 30. Repentance means a spiritual revolution, turning from the world and sinful ways to God. Repentance brings freedom. That's what we need in the church today. Repentance. You know, repentance really is good news. Repentance is, gets you on a right, a right path with the things of God. And we, I've often said, and I don't always <laughs> adhere to my own sayings, but uh, we need to have up-to-date repentance all the time. If you miss the mark, ask God to forgive you right then. Turn away from it. Say, God, and don't go back to it. But in Revelation, Jesus called for the churches to repent. Remember? In the first couple chapters of, of, of Revelation. But repentance prepares the way for the Lord. Prepares the way for the Lord. Frank Bartleman, who was part of the, actually, I think he was in the Azusa Street uh, revival. He said, without repentance, there can be no revival. For the depth of any revival will be determined exactly by the spirit of repentance that is obtained. Hallelujah. Now, I want to talk to you about some revivals that went on and, and awakenings that went on in our nation before. Because God did it once, he can do it again, but he needs somebody to pray. There's a story, the first one I want to talk to you about it was Evan Roberts. Now listen to the scripture in Isaiah. These are the ones on whom we will dwell. This is to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. That's in Isaiah 57, 15. These are the ones he will exalt. Now, God found a contrite young man uh, in, in Wales in 1904. While preparing himself for ministry, this 26-year-old coal miner heard an evangelist pray. Lord, do this, and this, and this, and this, and bend us. 
The words bend us became etched in his mind. Soon after he became consumed. I fell on my knees with my arms over my seat in front of me and my face bathed in perspiration and the tears uh, flowing in streams. So that I thought it must be blood gushing forth. For about two months, two minutes, I'm sorry, it was terrible. I cried out, bend me, bend me, bend us. Oh, 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 he says. What was, what was this uh, that bent him so? It was God commending his love which bent me while I saw nothing in it to command. He was bent by amazing grace. That then fearful bending of the judgment day came to my mind, and I was filled with compassion for those who were bent, must be bent at the judgment, and I wept. Evan Roberts continued to pray, bend the church, save the world. In less than six months, over 100,000 people were saved. We could say that today. Bend us, Lord. Bend us. Let us cry out for the lost. Evan Roberts also had a vision of, of hell, which caused him to cry out all the more. So it's important to know that. Revival comes from God. How many of you know revival doesn't come? Well, we got it. We're going to set it up. Next week, we're going to have a, a three-day revival here at the church. That isn't true revival. That's man-made revival. True revival is absolutely spiritual uh, of nature, uh, natural. No flesh can boast in his presence. <laughs> And it's God glorifying all the time. It'll glorify God. Cannot be produced or manufactured or worked up. But it can be poured out, poured on, poured in, and deluged from heaven, driven by the wind of the Spirit. That's what we want to see. Amen? We want to see the move of the Holy Spirit. We want to have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives in, in, you know, on a regular basis. And now I read, this, read this too. A true revival brings on overwhelming revelation of the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. In revival, God reveals himself as he really is. The binders are taken off. The blinders are taken off of our eyes and true trite religion cliches fall aside. You're a, <laughs> now I want to tell you about the first great awakening. Now, many of you have heard these stories, but many of you haven't. I mentioned it this morning in our small group, and somebody asked, well, what was that about? On Sunday, uh, July 8th of 1741, Jonathan Edwards read his famous message, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Something extraordinary began to occur. The fear of God fell. The congregation began to see themselves as hopelessly, hopelessly lost dangling by a thread over the jumping fire of hell. It was a vivid sermon. Soon there was so much screaming, crying out, and, and fainting that Edwards had to order them to be quiet that his message could be heard. People began unconsciously to cling to their pews and grasp hold of the pillars of the church so that could not slip into hell. There was the days of the first great awakening in our land. Now, from 1740 to 1745, 300,000 people were added to the kingdom. At that time, there were only 2 million people in American colonies at, 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 all, at all. Before the revival, young men caroused and partied all night. In the height of this time of awakening, which had been greatly aided by the ministry of George Whitfield and from England and had reached the American Indians through the prevailing prayer of David Brainerd, Every, uh, even Benjamin Franklin 
could say that it seemed as if all the world were growing religious so that no one could walk through the town in the evening without hearing psalms sung in different families of every street. That's revival, my friends. That's the kind of revival that, that American awakening in America needs and the kind of revival that the church needs. Now we see throughout time, uh, throughout our history of America, we see God doing miraculous things when people begin to pray. And I attended a prayer meeting today over in Danville that, that Merle Metz had, had uh, come up with. Uh, it wasn't something new. It was a prayer meeting of, about the 1857 prayer meeting in New York. It was the prayer revival was taking root in New York City. The churches at that time were becoming worldly and internalized and immorally violent crime, spiritual corruption, and atheism were on the rise. It goes on to say, does this have a familiar sound? Sounds sort of like America today. Jeremiah Lampier, a retired businessman, became become a missionary, acted in obedience to the Spirit's prompting, began to promote a weekly lunch hour prayer meeting for revival. Only six attended the first meeting and 25 the second, but within several months, tens of thousands were praying seven days a week around the clock. The revival spread from city to city, jumped across the ocean to England, Ireland, and Wales, and shaped the history of our nation. From 1857 to 1858, in America alone, over one million non-church members were born again, in addition to about one million formerly unsaved church members. At the height of the revival, there were over 50,000 new births a week. Imagine that? Wow. As a result of this revival hitting Chicago, the 40-year ministry of D.L. Moody, Dwight L. Moody, was born, and within a decade, slavery was legally abolished. The revival of 1857 restored integrity to the government and business in America once again. There was a renewed obedience to the social commandments. An intense sympathy was created for the poor and needy. A compassionate society was rebirthed. The reins of America were returned to godliness. Yet another time, revival became the solution to the problems, the remedy of, for the evils, the cure of all ills. Then in 1906, you've heard about this for us charismatics, right? For us Pentecostal charismatic type people. The 1906 revival in, in California fell on Azusa Street. From there, the flames of the 20th century Pentecostal renewal began to spread across the globe. We know about the Pente uh, Azusa Street Revival. People came from all over the world, didn't have uh, cell phones and didn't have uh, mass transit, didn't have airplanes flying all around the world, but they came from everywhere. They come to those meetings and, and people were miraculously changed and uh, the church grew. True revival has a life-giving effect on the society as a whole. Now, as we get ready to close here in a few minutes, I got six steps to revival. Six steps to revival. I believe there, there could be more, but, but th this is what I want to go for. In 2 Chronicles, you know this, this chapter uh, or, and verse, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. God says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven 
and will forgive their sins and heal their land. What's it take? First and foremost, I believe it takes humility. God gives grace to the humble. Amen. Grace to do what? Grace to do what we need to do. Grace to pray. Grace to witness. Grace to uh, 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 minister to the hurting and the lost and, heart, and sign. Amen. So we have to we have to bring ourselves to where we humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. Amen. When we do that, it says He will exalt us. Secondly, what's He say? If my people, He said, my people will humble themselves. Well, he just said, if my people, God's people, the church folks, will humble themselves and pray. Wow, our prayer meetings ought to be dynamic. We ought to have more people showing up. I, I'm putting this word out. If you can make prayer meeting on a men on a Saturday morning or a Monday night, please come. Please come. We're praying for revival to break out in Living Word Family Church and churches around this area and the churches across this land. We want to see our society changed by what the power of God working in our, in our church. Amen? Thirdly, seek God's face. In Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. How many of you know Hebrews eleven six 6 says what? God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He rewards us. What's he rewards? I think number one, he rewards us with his presence. Where you find the presence of God, you're going to find uh, everything you'll need. Amen? That's where the anointing flows out of his presence. Amen. Then turn from our wicked ways. That means repent. We just talked about repentance a little bit. Repent. Amen? Repent if you haven't been uh, serving God. Repent if you haven't been a teaching, uh, attending church. Repent if you haven't been reading your Bible. Repent if you haven't been praying. Repent for all those things and say, God, forgive me, and then get back on what you're supposed to be doing. We all, we've all been there. I've been there where, where you, you don't desire to do those things, but you can't stay there. You can't stay there. We're going to stand before the Lord someday, and we want to hear good and well done now, good and faithful servant. What's that mean? We've done what God's called us to do. Number five, unity. In act, uh, over in Proverbs 133, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. But then in Acts chapter two, we see in the upper room, they were there in one accord. And what happened? One accord, that means they were in unity and the Holy Spirit <laughs> came to this earth. Hallelujah. Well, you know, when we get in unity in our body of believers here, when we come together, there can be great and mighty things happen. Amen? Amen. So let's pray for that. Let's believe for that. And lastly, perseverance. Persevere. Don't give up. Endure. Run your race. Like I talked about the last couple of weeks, run your race to the end. Amen? I don't know what your situation is tonight, where you're at. If you know Jesus, start calling on Jesus to move on the church. Start calling on Jesus to move on your relatives and your lost loved ones and, and, and people that you don't even know. Amen? And let's, be, let's see revival return to the church in this day and this hour. Will you not revive us, O Lord? That's what the psalmist said. I believe he will if we'll just call on him to do that. Amen? Amen. Let's just pray before I get off here. Father, I pray tonight, may we be stirred in our heart. May we be on... Uh, stirred to the point of fire in Jesus' name. May we know that the time is short. May we stand in, in, in the uh, 
presence of God and say, we've done what we called us to do, obedience in Jesus' name. May we see the church rise up in this day and this hour and begin to proclaim the gospel with signs following. We see the nation's rage and we see all the things going on. But Lord, Jesus is still the answer for today. In Jesus' name, we pray that we would just see a move of, of your spirit here at Living Word Family Church. We'd see every man, woman, boy, and girl get so excited and so hungry and so thirsty for the things of God that they can't stand it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, that we'd begin to see signs and wonders and miracles and, and the power of God delivering people and setting people free and bringing people into the kingdom. For that truly is your will. We know that. We thank you, Lord. Repent. Get on track, get back to what we know to do, and we'll see revival come to this, not only to this house, but many around this country. May there be a great move of your spirit in Jesus' name. We want to be a part of what you're doing in here today, and we're calling you to help us do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, be blessed tonight. Take things to heart. Begin to pray. Begin to seek God. Hey, you're important to the kingdom. Amen. Every man and woman, boy and girl are important to the kingdom of God and to the move of God this day and this hour. Amen. We'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you enjoyed today's message, consider sharing it with a friend. For more content and information about Living Word, check out our website, at livingwordfamily.org. And remember to live the gospel and preach the gospel.